today on 2C Fans. All those fish have bacteria on them, and bacteria is in the water, and it's everywhere, and most people think that they're bad, but they actually do a lot of really good things. Say um, it. Including <laughs> fish poop. Yes. <laughs> Hi, I'm Haley Rutger. And I'm Joe Nicholson. And this is another episode of 2C Fans at Moat Marine Laboratory. And today, Haley, we are going to talk to... Well, Dr. Andrea Tarnecki. And Joe, let me just say, last, last episode you were badgering me about why we collect fish poop. I promised you an episode that includes the fish poop, and I have delivered. And... This is about fish and bacteria. Where's the poop? The bacteria are in the poop, Joe. Oh, okay. In other places, too. They're, they're kind of everywhere. Um, but anyway, Dr. Tarnecki has a very fascinating job here studying all of the tiny bacteria that live on fish and just why that matters for their health, for our seafood, for everything. So we hope you uh, enjoy. And I'll bet you I can get her to say poop at least twice. Okay. Bet taken. All right. A dollar. <laughs> so we hope you enjoy the interview. So, well, we are here with uh, Dr. Andrea Tarnecki. Uh, Scientist Supreme? Is that her title? What is your title? Ah, uh, my title is Moat Postdoctoral Research Fellow. Ooh, yeah. fancy. Yeah. <laughs> it does sound fancy, but that means that like Moat provides a certain amount of support for you to do your work. Yeah, so a postdoctoral fellowship, basically, after you get your PhD, you go into a place where you work for two or three years, and they give you some startup money and kind of gives you an opportunity to establish a research program. And you have a really interesting one. You're studying the bacteria in fish. Yes. Um, so, I don't know. Why should well, we... Well, yeah, but, yeah. but shouldn't we, we, like, step back a bit first for people that may not even know what bacteria are? Uh -oh. Like, what are bacteria? Bacteria are single-celled organisms that are microscopic. So you can't see them with the naked eye, but they are everywhere. Including, like, all over us? Including all over us on our skin and also inside our bodies in our stomach and intestine. Well, and I understand the etymology of the, the word bacteria is the plural of the new Latin bacterium, which is the Latinization of the Greek bacterion, which is the diminutive <laughs> of bacteria, meaning staff or cane, because the first ones to be discovered were rod-shaped. Ah, is this right? That sounds right. It sounds like Wikipedia to me. <laughs> so, now that we know what they are, you study them in fish. Why should people be interested? What's that all about? Well, whether you like to eat fish or catch fish or go to the aquarium or buy fish from the store, um, all those fish have bacteria on them. And bacteria is in the water and it's everywhere. And most people think that they're bad, but they actually do a lot of really good things. They, um, so they help the fish with digestion and they produce nutrients that the fish use and they compete against um, bad bacteria or harmful bacteria that are found in the environment. Wow. So like most people um, you meet, do they know that bacteria are helpful? <laughs> you know what? Um, Activia commercials have really helped. I'll bet, yeah. With <laughs> Jamie, Jamie Lee, Lee Curtis. Curtis. Doing yeah, a great she's... job with that. Um, probably five or ten years ago, I would have said no. Most people thought bacteria were bad, but um, with 
commercials for probiotics, I think people are beginning to understand that that's not it's helpful and, and healthy true. for the body, yeah. Yeah, and there are bacteria that can cause disease, but bacteria that are found on our bodies, uh, about 99% of them are, are not disease-causing bacteria. So they're doing other things, and a lot of those things are really beneficial to our health. And you know I've been dying to ask you this question. Uh-oh. But where do you get this bacteria from? Ah, I get the bacteria from a lot of places. Say um, it. Including <laughs> fish poop. Yes. <laughs> I do. I, uh, I sample a lot of fish poop, which is not as disgusting as it sounds. <laughs> oh. oh, my goodness. <laughs> so where do you get, where do you get the poop? Where are the fish? Like, what fish are you working with? I work with um, a number of different fish species, and I, I catch them both in the wild, and then I also work at Moats Aquaculture Park, um, which is in Sarasota, Florida also, where we have three species in-house, um, Florida Pompano, uh, Red Drum, and Common Snook. And those are three common recreational fish species in Florida, and um, also targets for stock enhancement and for food fish also. Cool. Um, I've been to Moat Aquaculture Park. Um, we all have. It is very, very, very cool. It's one of the largest like recirculating aquaculture research facilities around the country. And so they study all the ways to um, farm fish in a more eco-friendly manner. And you're kind of adding a new, new angle to it by looking at these uh, probiotic bacteria, maybe. Yeah, I'd say that's true. Um, the, the system is really unique because it does recycle all of the water instead of using water from um, out in the environment. It's all contained in our aquaculture systems, um, which is really good in terms of uh, environmentally friendly fish farming, but we do get problems with some of those harmful bacteria in those systems because they are um, adding food to the water, which not only fish eat, but the bacteria eat them also. Uh, also, you have a large number of fish in a small area, and the bacteria can take advantage of that situation also. So we do have some problems with bacterial pathogens in those systems. So what I'm trying to do is look for good bacteria that we can add to those systems that outcompete the bad ones. Oh, so you've got a little war going on. It is. It's a tiny little war. It's a tiny microscopic war. Yeah. Cool. Microbes have been fighting it out since the dawn of time. That's true. Yes, yes. Well, <laughs> bacteria were the first living organisms on the planet, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very good, Joe. Thank you. <laughs> um, Joe Smart. Yes, he is. <laughs> Joe, get cookies. Ooh, yay, cookies. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, in, in all your research with bacteria and fish, what has been one of your favorite moments or discoveries? Like, what, what's been one of the most aha? Ooh, like, yeah, you went, oh, wow, I can't believe that's really going on. Yeah, so actually that happened during my PhD work, and it's kind of what got me here to moat doing what I'm doing now. Um, I designed a project that allowed me to go catch my own fish to sample my own fish. Nice, so, doing so, something you enjoy doing anyway. Yeah, yeah. so I, um, I was at Auburn at the time, which is inland, of course, they do a lot of freshwater fish research, but I was more interested in marine fish, so I designed a study where I could go catch fish and sample their mucus, their external skin mucus, and look at the bacteria there. And uh, Basically, the goal of the study was to figure out 
what it is that influences the bacteria that are found on fish, whether it's um, an environmental influence, something like salinity or temperature, whether it has to do with different geographical locations, or whether different fish species have different bacteria. And what we found was that all of those things impact the bacteria found in fish mucus, but um, fish species actually exerted the most influence. So we saw more differences in the bacteria on fish between different species than we did, say, in different seasons or different locations. And so that really got me curious as to how the bacteria were interacting with the fish, specifically the fish immune system, and what it was that was leading to those species-specific bacterial communities. So common snook are one of my favorite fish species because they're really fun to catch and they're really delicious to eat. Yes, they are. And they're very well managed in Florida. So there's a lot of rules if you want to go out and catch a snook for dinner. Um, You can only do it a couple times a year. Uh, They have to be a certain size. You have to buy a snook tag which the snook tag all that money goes back into snook research so that's a really interesting cool system but um they are one of the species like i mentioned earlier that we raise at the aquaculture park and we raise them for stock enhancement purposes so we can raise them up from little um, larvae until they're juvenile size and then we release them into the environment and we can see how they survive and how, what they're doing to the the snook population in the wild Uh, One of the problems that we have with them, and it's a problem that's shared across a lot of marine fish species that are grown in aquaculture, is that they die. Um, Mm. We see up to 98% mortality in these larvae, and a lot of that happens before they're even 14 days old. Why is that? Um, Not sure. So it's a really interesting situation where, you know, um, the work that they've been doing at the aquaculture park um, they've really been looking at nutritional issues and um, genetic issues, um, looking Could it be at, a bacterial issue? at rearing conditions, and there are some ideas out there that it might be a bacterial, a bacterial issue. issue. Um, now, but let me ask, in the wild, like, do they produce like a, thousands of larvae and a lot of them die normally? Yes, they do. But okay. in the wild, it's a it's an uncontrolled system, essentially. You have um, much larger variations in environment, environmental conditions. You have predators. Predation, you yeah. have um, all sorts of things that can affect them in the wild. And the idea being, if you have them in these controlled systems, you should be able to do better. Mm, okay. <laughs> okay. So have you been able to sample, like for instance, larval snook um, in the wild? Unfortunately, no, they are very difficult to find. Um, When they hatch, they're about two millimeters long, so they're very Mm -hmm. tiny, um, and larval fish can be difficult to identify in terms of telling whether it's a common snook or whether it's another species of snook or whether it's something different. So unfortunately, no, I haven't had that opportunity yet, but maybe one day. And does the mortality rate change as the snook get older? It does. And in most fish species, mortality is really high when they're young. It's because they're small, they're getting eaten. And it reduces as they get older. Um, with these guys, um, 
even though we've we've tested all that in the lab and we still see some spawns where we have this really high mortality and so I'm kind of taking a, a bacterial management strategy going in seeing if that some of the problems are due to some of those harmful bacteria that are found in our aquaculture systems. I like to call this microbe management like Micromanagement? Micromanagement. No, it's micro microbe. Microbe management. management. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. I'm yeah. a pun machine. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> I like it. We I need to get her good. a t-shirt. Maybe. <laughs> pun machine. Um, so, I mean, how, how do you do this? Like, it in even in the controlled setting, it can't be easy, or is it easy, to get the bacteria and identify them and... Yeah, no, it, it's really not simple. Um, and the reason for that is that there's so many different species of bacteria. Um, in one study that I did, we found over 400 different species of bacteria in, um, in fish poop. Nice. So. Oh, that's twice. <laughs> Good job. So, um, so, yeah, there's a lot of them in there. And the problem is that we can't grow all of them in the lab. With the techniques that we have available, um, we can get sometimes up to 50% of them to grow in the lab, but normally it's it's more around 90% that don't grow. Hmm. So I am approaching this research from a different standpoint where I'm looking at the DNA of the bacteria. We can tell bacteria apart based on their DNA sequences, and that gives us a much more thorough picture of the bacteria that are there. Very cool. So with a snook, um, are you getting a good sense of what they have and what they might need in terms of bacteria? We're starting to, and every, every spawn's a little different because we restart the, um, the recirculating system every time, so there are changes, but there are definitely consistencies between spawns too. So we're starting to get an idea of what the larvae are supposed to have. And we have the opportunity where we can sample them every time we spawn them. And if one spawn does well and another does not do so well, we can look for differences in the bacteria between those two spawns. Uh, I remember you saying with your snook work that there at least a little bit of work on giving them a probiotic. Didn't you do that? And we saw did. Effect? Actually, we did it twice. Um, we did it in the fall of 2014. Yeah. And experienced one of those mass mortalities that I was telling you about. Oh, so yeah. that um, gave us a unique opportunity to look at the bacteria as those larvae were not doing so well. And then we repeated it in summer of 2015 and we were able to successfully raise those guys. Oh, <laughs> so, nice. um, so we have the interesting um, differences there between the two different spawns. But in our probiotic study, in the summer, we did see that we were able to increase snook survival with addition of the probiotics. And fish are really interesting because you can give them probiotics in two different ways. You can give it to them through the feed and you can put it in the water. Mm -hmm. And the probiotic can interact with the fish through its skin and through its gastrointestinal tract. So wow, yeah. we, we tried both ways and we found that um, both ways seemed to work for these guys. So it was a really interesting study, and now we're following it up with more studies trying to figure out exactly how those probiotics are working. Mm. Okay, so I'm curious, like, why can't, why don't humans have a, try probiotic products on our skin? Why is it just about our gut so much? <laughs> so the human skin is 
um, a built differently. It has that keratinized layer on it. It's, it's more for um, protection against the external environment. The fish, their skin is actually a mucosal tissue, so... It, okay, so when you say keratinized, you mean we have like a, a harder... Yes, yes, we have a, a harder... A less permeable, Yes, less will. permeable. That's a perfect word for um, it. Surface. Yes. Compared to a fish. Compared to a fish. So the fish, they have a mucosal layer, so it's a much more active tissue. It's a really interesting tissue where they actually did a study and they found that the immune function of fish skin is very similar to its function in the gastrointestinal tract. Um, so we, we get an idea of how fish are a little different from us in their microbial uh, happenings, but there are a lot of similarities uh, too. And sometimes fish are even models for human health um, you know, discussions and research. Like, what now, do they share with us? That's a visual uh, fish model. Fish model. <laughs> she's a bikini? Yeah, she's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> fish model. <laughs> Andrea, what do I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes, so what you mean is that fish, if we study fish, we can actually learn things about people. Uh, the reason for that is that we share 70% of our genes with some species of fish. So 70% of our genetic makeup is the same as specifically zebrafish, the, mm. the little guys that they sell in aquarium really? stores. Yeah, zebrafish are a very common model for, <laughs> for uh, human disease because we have similarities in development, physiology, immune function, um, and also there's a number of genetic disorders in humans that can be reflected in zebrafish. So the genes are similar in those disorders and we can go into the zebrafish and make a mutation similar to what we find in humans and sometimes um, we can duplicate what we see in people in terms of the um, the effects of that uh, mutation. That's very cool. Joe, are you uh, in touch with your inner zebrafish? I try not to touch my inner zebrafish. <laughs> okay, that's, that's one way to answer that question. <laughs> you know, I, I'm running out of questions because you've given us so much cool information, but I did want to ask if there is, like, a particular type of bacteria or a particular fish host that you find super cool for any reason. You know, that's a really good question. I find all bacteria cool, so I can't discriminate there. I can discriminate in the in the fish category. Ah. Um, of course, I already said that I really love common snook. I love Florida pompano. I love red drum, although I've never caught one. That's something that... You caught a black drum recently, though, didn't you? I have caught a few black drum, yes, that's true. Um, but never a red drum, so I'm working on that. That's on my bucket list. Well, I, I would really like to thank you for spending some time with us and explaining more about bacteria and probiotics and for telling me that you get bacteria from fish poop <laughs> and see now what are you going to obsess about i don't know we'll have to think of that okay but yeah this has been a really awesome uh, chat so thanks a lot <laughs> well thanks for having me it was fun see you later from two c fans at moat <laughs>